Good morning, good morning, podcasters, and a beautiful morning it is in Montreal today. Uh, the temperatures dropped about 15 degrees though since yesterday, so it's definitely a cooler morning. So in case you don't mo know me, I'm Melanie Miller. Um, I uh, have a background in pharmaceuticals, I have a PhD, and I was 25 years in the pharmaceutical industry before I moved to Canada and uh, found myself um, in for 15 years in an MLM. And I have never looked back uh, since the time that I joined the MLM. Uh, life is quite different here to in a pharmaceutical industry, but everything you learn in life helps you with what everything you do in life. So when people ask me, wasn't it a waste? Absolutely not, because it taught me habits and uh, helps me even when I'm analyzing all the books we're reading for you. So we are following and unfortunately nearing the end of Find Your Why. Uh, this is a book by Simon Sinek. And today we are going to continue our journey with a chapter called Take a Stand. And after I have done the introduction and um, the, the beginning part, Marie-Pierre is going to uh, answer some common questions asked about your why. So let's get into uh, you've discovered our why and our hows. Now we actually have to act upon them. So this, become, this goes from theory to practice. So just because we know our why doesn't mean that we want to share it. We might want to keep it to ourselves. We might want to say, well, it helps me run my life, but I don't really need to tell other people. But most of us have in our life been communicating with our what's. You know the question, what do you do? I often ask people, what do you do in life? And, um, you know, we expect to hear things back that we understand. Now we need to be thinking, why do I do what I do? It will feel weird. So imagine something you couldn't do and now you can do it. And even if you don't do it for a long, long time, you can still do it. And of course, one thing that pops immediately into my mind is riding a bike. Like I haven't ridden a bike for years. But I know if I hopped on a bike, it would be pretty easy for me to ride it because you go through the process of um, we can't do it. We, we fall off, we, we wobble, we were unbalanced. And then finally, we get the balance, but we're still a bit uncoordinated. And then we learn to coordinate. And then once you've got it, you're off and away. And you really, it doesn't, uh, take any thinking about. And I was thinking that about driving as well. Um, in the UK, I learned to drive in a car. I think you call them stick drive here, where I learned to drive in a stick drive car with gears. And, uh, and everybody in England learns to drive in a stick. I don't know if they still do, but they did when I grew up. And having an automatic was like, wow, you guys are so boring. Like, why would you drive an automatic? And then of course I moved to Australia 
and the, the journeys are much longer, the hills are much steeper. And so uh, driving an automatic became natural and then coming to Canada, the same thing. Uh, I would not want to drive a stick car in Canada in winter. It, the idea of it absolutely terrifies me doing a hill start. Uh, but, but having said that, when I go back to England and um, I, I hire a car often, like if we've forgotten to say I'd like an automatic, you're stuck with a stick car. And you know, what is surprising is you get in and okay, it's a little weird to start with, but very soon you're just driving as if it's the most normal thing in the world. And in our MLM, we have several things that we do that, um, you know, when we do it the first time, it feels absolutely horrible. And one of the things that we encourage people to do is go live, go live on Facebook. And when you do it the first time, um, you, you just don't know what you're doing. You don't know when to press the button. You don't know when you press the button, when it actually starts. How do you stop it? Where do you position the camera? How can you see what I'm doing? And all those things, they go through your mind to make you really nervous. And for many people, prevent them doing it because the fear of doing something they don't know at an older age is often more frightening. But you know, when you do it every day and you get into the practice of it, it's like riding a bike. You just switch it on, off you go. And you stop worrying about some of the things that you worried about before. So for me, being able to tell my why to people, I hope will become like those, those things, riding a bike, driving a car. Like, so when somebody asks me, what do you do? And they're expecting me to say, oh, I'm a teacher, I'm a nurse, I'm a cashier, because that's what we expect to hear in life. I'm, I'm hoping that um, now I'll be able to respond with my why. And, you know, um, in the book, uh, Simon talks, uh, they talk about, you know, when you tell your why for the first few times, you're going to feel very awkward. And probably when you look at people, they're going to look at you as if to say, what, what does she mean? I want to I educate and empower people so that they can become better versions of themselves and make the world a better place. Like, who does she think she is? Like, that's the sort of impression you're going to get. Like, how does she think she can help change the world? And people will not be used to you saying your why. And what's going to happen is you're going to adapt your why depending on what situation you're in. And so when Simon Sinek, for example, is asked, is, uh, meets people, sometimes he's going to say, I inspire people to do things that inspire them so that together we can change our world. That's his why statement word for word. But sometimes he will adapt it and say it in a different way. And he'll say, I work with leaders to build inspiring organizations that put people first. I believe that if enough organizations do this, we will change our world. So it's the same why, but it's presented 
in a different way, probably to a different audience. And if he's talking about start with why, um, our organization, he'll say, we imagine a world where the vast majority of people wake up inspired to go to work, feel safe when they are there and return home at the end of the day, fulfilled by the work they do. Every product we make, every partnership we have and everything we do is to bring this vision to life. So I'm pretty sure that when I tell my why to different people, I'm going to adapt it to uh, be right in the context of who I'm speaking to. But the thing is, you've got to start saying it. So the next time people ask you, what do you do? You don't tell them what you do. You tell them why you do it. And, um, and you know, if, as I say, it's going to take practice. So um, just as you are not used to saying it, people are not used to hearing it. And so those are what we call our falling off the bike uh, moments. But there could be several reasons why people are not hearing it, right? One, they may not just be listening, which is probably a really common thing. But it could just be that you weren't clear enough in your statement for the, them to be able to grasp it. So if, for example, you, you think of a person and they just, you know, trying to make conversation with you on the plane and they turn to you and say, oh, what do you do? Because I ask that question to people on the plane and they'll, you know, the answer they're expecting is something really simple. And what you give them is like you want to change the world. And so they, they're probably one, maybe not listening and two, not comprehending. And so we, we need to try and make it clearer and almost more palatable, almost more like gentle so that they don't look at you as though you're a monster with three heads. The other thing is that it could be that they look at you as if to say, why would you want to help other people? Why would you want to change the world? I mean, I'm just fine the way I am. And so in that respect, maybe your why doesn't resonate with them. And you know, our why is a filter. And many, many people's whys are similar. But it's the hows that change them. So when you say your why, if it's something that doesn't resonate with somebody, then probably that is not a person that you want to pursue a friendship with, a relationship with, because clearly you're not aligned together. And um, I would say if you say your why to people and you know that you've been clear and they look at you and almost like, you know, turn their nose up as if to say, well, I don't know who she thinks she is then you might question whether that person is somebody that you want to be with. And maybe you have to say, okay, my filter is working. I'm not going to waste my time with this person. But to find out more about the sort of questions people ask when they've done their why or as they're preparing their why, Mary Pierre has a, 
a raft of things to tell us. Over to you, Marika. Thank you, Melanie. Yes, because uh, this group, uh, Simon Sinek, uh, David and Peter, they had a lot of workshops and they work with a thousand of people to find their why. So they receive a lot of questions and sometimes good questions. So they decide to share the most commonly raised workshop question with their response to help you understand if your why is okay, if you need to work on your why. So let's start with the first question. So can my why be my family? So you can answer in the comments if you have an idea what they will say. So yes, your family will inspire great love and commitment. And most of us want very much to care for our spouse, our partner and our children. But a why is who we are wherever we are, not just at home but also at work or out with friends. So though it may seem strange to speak in these terms, but your family is actually a what. So your why will come not from talking about your family, but from talking about the feeling your family evokes in you. So during your why discovery process, you will inevitably find that the contribution you make to your family member and the impact it has on them are the same contribution you will make an impact you will have on other in any situation that brings the best your best self so the bottom line is your family your family is not your why second question can i have more than one why no <laughs> each of us has one why and one why only so the why is that common thread that brings out the best in us and makes us feel the most fulfilled if you're different at work than you are at home, in one of those places, you're lying. So we are who we are at our core, and it doesn't change depending on where we find ourselves. We either live in an alignment with our why or we do not. If you feel as if you have one why at work and a different one at home, or in some other context, you may just be focusing too much on what you are doing at each respective place. So instead, think about the common factor at home and at work that leave you feeling inspired and fulfilled. So that's where you will uh, clarify your why. Question number three, can my why change as I get older? So our why is fully formed by our mid to late teens. So by that age, we experienced enough and made enough choices of our own that we can recognize the situation in which we'll thrive and those in which we will not. So, but um, while you may have sense of your why at that age, you probably weren't able to express it. That's because the why comes from the limbic, limbic part of the brain, which has no capacity for language. So it's hard to put into word. So as the year go by, and we gain a deeper understanding of our why and the contribution and impact we make, we may find more precise and meaningful language in, in which to express it. So the feeling behind the words will stay the same since the beginning of your own beginning and late teens. Number four is what if I don't have a why? <laughs> you do have a why. Everyone does. <laughs> the only question is whether you're willing to let yourself be open and vulnerable enough to discover what it is. So as long as you are honest with yourself and others, you will discover your why. 
maybe not perfectly articulate or polish right away, but we've never had to break the bad news to someone that they don't have a wife. <laughs> so they, they say that, yes, some people are willing, willing and eager to learn their why, and they believe why exists and are willing to risk a little to discover what, what theirs is. And there's others that aren't ready or willing to take the risk involved in discovering what theirs is. So it's just, are you ready or not to discover your why? Number five is what's the reason the why is always in service of others? So it comes down to the difference between happiness and fulfillment. So happiness comes from the thing we do for ourselves, such as buying a new pair of shoes or the latest smartphone and can offer a quick hit of dopamine that make us feel good. But when that feeling wears off, we need to do or buy something else to get the next hit. So shopping may give us a fleeting happiness, but will never give us lasting fulfillment. So the happiness in serving ourselves is real, but often just fleeting. So the fulfillment in serving others is lasting. So the problem comes when there's a lack of balance between the two. So the why is about leaving the world a little better than when we started. Number six is how can I make my why sound different from everyone else? So this question stems from the perception that we all competing and somehow our why has to be better than our, or, or at least different from the, uh, our rival. But what if the only person who's competing is ourselves? So what if we show up every day to be a better version of ourselves? living more in line with our own why than we did the day before. So when people first hear about the why, they sometimes think we're talking about a person's special, special sauce. So however, even if our why is similar to our computer, what's likely to be very different is the way you bring it to life through your guiding principle, behavior, and action, your how. In other words, your unique, not in your why alone, but in the combination of your why and your how. So it's the combination that makes you one of a kind. Question number seven. If my why doesn't align with the work I'm doing, do I have to quit? You don't have to do anything. So the short, question, the short answer to this question is maybe if your work and your why aren't aligned, you don't necessarily have to throw everything away. We can't always control the environment we're in, but we can take responsibility for the way we show up. So your first step should be to be uh, to positive, positively influence those around you every day. So start by living your why the best way you can. It's just possible that if you do, things will begin to change for the better. So if that doesn't work, it's important to remember that our goal is to surround ourselves with people who believe what we believe. So if that simply is impossible where you are, you have a choice to make. You can active, actively look for a job that is more in line with your why, or you can try to make the best of where you are. So just remember that moving towards something, so a situation in which you can thrive and live your why, is always better than moving away from something just the situation that isn't working for you. So remember that. Number eight, 
my boss or a significant other or my sister or my best friend really needs to do a wide discovery? How can I make that happen? So you're probably right that this person would benefit from this process. However, it's not up to you to convince others. They have to feel that the wide discovery would be right for them. So one way we can inspire them to do a discovery is to live our own why. So they may see the fulfillment you find through what you've learned and choose to find out more. Or they may not. So I really love this in this expression. It's a, a little bit changed from what we hear. So we cannot, we can lead a horse to water and even shove its head in through, but that just drown, drowns the horse. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> and number nine, the last one is I want to live my why, but I'm not getting what I need for me to be at my best. So we can't tell from your statement whether you feel your missing piece is tangible or intangible. And so we will give you both answers. So the first is if you are implying that there's a tangible what that's necessary for you to live your why then you're wrong. So none of us needs any specific job, position, title, technology, or a piece of equipment in order to uh, effect the change we want to see in the world. So just remember, you will create it. So there's no need to find that specific job. So if it's something that is intangible, so that means that it's all in your mind, so you can create it if you really need it. So. That's the, the nine most common question. So I hope it helped you to understand a little bit more how you can work on your why and maybe just to go and do it. <laughs> yes, Melanie? So um, uh, Mary-Pierre, I'm listening to the questions and actually um, there are a couple of points that I would like to, uh, to bring out. Uh, one of them is when you were talking about, you know, who has the best why, right? Like, does it matter if your why sounds like somebody else? Well, for me, the fact that my why sounds like somebody else's means I'm probably aligned well with them. So it means that I, you know, although Maria and I and you, we're all really different, but Maria and I both, both basically want to change people's lives to be better. And, you know, we both want to do that in different ways. And so even though our hows are probably going to be completely different, our why is so well aligned, it makes it easy for me to work with Maria. And, and I think that would be true. I would actually say that if I see that somebody's why is the same as mine, or similar, it's a celebration, not a concern, right? So that's one thing I wanted to say. The second thing is, if you are in a job and you really are not happy, you really feel that each day is a drudge, that every day you get up in the morning and you dread the thought of going to work, it's quite possible that you're uh, why is not aligned with your work, that you are in an environment that does not allow you to have your why. And, you know, I know we have people in our organization 
who have been in corporate jobs, who've been high up, who have been uh, maybe, um, you know, in a service industry even, and they have felt so unhappy because of the environment that they're in, that they're just not able to fulfill their why. So what I would say to you out there is if you're listening to this and you're really unhappy doing what you're doing, then the chances are that you're not able to live your why and maybe it's time to make a change. And not to be biased, you could do far worse than join an MLM. Uh, because it really allows you to explore your why and to perhaps develop in a way that you've never been able to before. So that's it from me. Um, that's it from Mary Pierre and me today. Uh, we wish you a wonderful Thursday and tomorrow we're going to be back really summarizing the book. And guess what? We'll be starting a new book next week. So uh, that's it from us. Have a great day, everybody. Bye.